This is a free download from Delancey Elam Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building at LeBanks St. Sampson's in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. God is what? Isn't that awesome? For God is love. Notice it says, not God was love, not God will be, but it says God is, God is love. And everything that's kind of awesome. Often we, we kind of, sometimes we can kind of think it's something of the past or something to come. But everything God does is in the present tense. God is what? Love. And his love right at this moment, present tense. God is love. And that comes, is a kind of, for many, that's a kind of, to we say, uh, it sounds simple, doesn't it? How many would say that's simple? God is love. How many would say that's pretty simple? And yet you'll be amazed, no matter, even though that's simple, yet a lot of believers struggle with a revelation that God is love. They may understand it intellectually. They may know all verses connected to it. But right at the core of their hearts, they've never had a true revelation that God is what? Love. Now notice this. It doesn't say that God is powerful. That's true. No, God is powerful. (laughs) Yeah, right. In fact, one of his names is, is, is is the Lord God Almighty. So God is powerful. I want you to see, the things that motivate God's power is what God's love. The reason why God demonstrates his power, because God is love. I want you to see that, that when you get a revelation of God's love, it's this sense that the God uses his power to meet the needs of your life. For example, he heals you because God loves you. God meets your needs because God loves you. God works in your circumstances. He works in the various areas of your life because God loves you. His love motivates his power. So in order for me to to grasp something of his power, I need to understand something of what is love. God is love. He's he's motivated by his love and he uses power to meet your needs. And that kind of find love is one of the most compelling characteristics of God's character. Can you say amen? In other words, God's 
uses his power, is compelled to use his power because he is love. Love is behind his power. Isn't that awesome? He uses his power to work on your behalf simply because he loves you. Now, here's what I'm saying. If you really struggle with a revelation of his love, then you're going to limit his power flowing into your life. And so, having a revelation of his love is connected with allowing him to move in his power in your life. Psalm 145, this is one of my favourite psalms. I kind of turn to this a lot because I think it's such a, an awesome, powerful psalm. I love Psalm 145. I actually thought I was about to explode then. It was like this... <laughs> Some were open, but <laughs> Psalm 145, and I just love the eighth verse. This is just what an amazing verse. The Lord, notice the word is again. I mean, you can see that. The Lord, what? Is gracious and full of compassion. So to anger, and I love this, great in Mercy, full of compassion. Someone defined the word compassion is God's power turned loose. I love it. God's power in action. In other words, did you notice this? That the Bible says many times that Jesus was moved with compassion. I mean, you've read that. And right after that, he always moves in power. Have you notice that? He's full of compassion, then he heals the sick. That the moment Jesus is moved with compassion, there becomes an incredible demonstration of his power. Jesus Christ, the same today, yesterday, and what? Forever. If he was moved with compassion then, then the same compassion moves him today. And if the same compassion moves him today, that means there's going to be a release of his power. I believe whatever need there is in your life today, if you would get a revelation of love, then through his love, he will release his power to meet that need in your life. If you remember when you were growing up, those of you who went to Sunday school, remember this, Jesus loves me for the... I really love that song. I just... just, I, I, never, I, I never really went to Sunday school, but I kind of like the song. But you know what? We, we kind of receive that, the great simple truth of that, and children singing, and I love the truth of it. And often they never struggle with the comprehension that Jesus loves me. This I know. It's, it's something they, they're aware of. Something they, they're aware of. It's often as we go on in life that we lose sight of it. We lose sight of the simple truth that Jesus loves us. Things happen, experiences, various things in our lives. And we begin to lose the truth that Jesus loves me. This I know. Not because I feel it, but because the Bible tells me so. Sometimes people feel they've messed up so much. How can God love them because of all the messes, because of all the mistakes, all the failures that maybe they feel? You know what? God's love for you is not based on that. Here's the truth. 
Even though sometimes we can do things that, that displease God. How many, how many have got children, and children don't, sometimes don't always do things that don't always please? How many have found that? Yes? But the point is, you still love them. Is that true? I hope so. But you still love them. Even though sometimes they, they mess up their faith, you still love them. And that's the same with God. He still loves us no matter what. His love is not based on anything you and I can do. And I just feel this today, that if we would get a hold of his love, he will cause dreams and vision to come to pass because he loves you. He will cause the seeds that you have sown to produce a harvest because he loves you. It's really all about this simple fact. Having faith in God's love. The Bible says that actually faith works by love. You can't really have faith until you have a revelation of God's love. You're never going to really trust God. You're never going to really have faith in God until you have, until you have faith and believe and have a revelation of his love. Because this is the point. How can you trust someone that you don't really believe loves you? How can you be dependent on someone that you're not really sure really deeply loves you? Is that true? And so the Bible says, faith works by love. So the greater my revelation of his love, the greater will be my faith. And faith is the access to God's power. How can you see that? So the more I get a revelation of his love, the more I will trust him, the more I will have access to the power of God working in my life. God is full of compassion. And unless you get a revelation of his love, the truth is you're always going to struggle with faith. You're always going to struggle with trust. Because right down in your heart, the revelation of his love for you has never really got a hold of you. So you struggle with his word. You struggle with what he declares in his word. You struggle with trust. You struggle with all kinds of trust issues. But the root of it is this. They've not really grasped, not had a a true revelation that God wants to give you of his love for you. Look at verse 9. Notice this. It says, The Lord what is good to how many? Is good to all. See the word all. And when I ever see the word all, that means that qualifies everybody. Sometimes people have a kind of victim mentality and kind of believe what God would do for someone, he's not going to do for them. I'm going to touch that in a moment. But, but often, the, it, it's this simple fact that, that to all means that we're all, we're, we all qualify. We all qualify. And until we get a revelation of the incredible love he has for us, we're always going to be held back. We're never going to fully enter into all there is God for, got for us until we recognize this one fact. The God is good to all, without exception. You're not the exception. Imagine sometimes we think we're the exception. But he says, all, everybody, every single person that breathes, he is good to all. Good to all, tender mercies over all his works. How many realize you're a work, you're his work, you're his masterpiece, you're his workmanship? That means his tender love is over you. Can you say amen? Now go right down to verse 19. He will fulfill 
the desire of those that fear him. He will hear their cry and he will save them. I love this. God is so gracious. He's the God who fulfills. The one full of mercy fulfills. The fulfilling of things in your life is a result that God loves you. That word fulfilled there means the desire for things longed for. Things that are expected. Maybe you have an expectation for a loved one to be saved. You have a desire for God to use you in some way, in some capacity. There's a desire for God to to move and change a circumstance in life. And it says that he will, because of his mercy, because of his love, he will fulfill that which you desire. And it's all based. Remember what it says there? It goes on to say, for those that what? Fear the Lord. That's a powerful truth right there. That word fear doesn't mean you're afraid of God. It means this, that you honour him. You have reverence for him. There's a sense of awe. And out of that sense of awe, there becomes a desire to please him. That the goal of your life is to please him because you have a respect for him. Because you have an awe for him. There's a song that I heard the other day, actually, Hillsong sang it years ago. Uh, Darlene sang it. And one of the things she says, I love that song. It says, I love to see you glorified. I thought, wow, what an awesome description. I love to see you glorified. That that becomes the goal of the heart. God, everything I do, I want you to be glorified. I want you to be honoured. And when that kind of grabs your heart, when that gets a grip of you, then here's the point that, that almost that your desires become his desires. It's like you doing your own thing, but the more he gets a hold of you, the more that you live to glorify him, then his desires, you align yourself to his desires. And so his desires become your desires, and what you desire for him to fulfill, he desires to fulfill, his will becomes your will, and he says, I'm going to release it, because I love you. Because I'm so gracious, I'm so full of mercy. Let me give you a, a John Roddice uh, description of that verse. Okay? This is my translation. Sue me if you like. Anyway, God fulfills the longing for them who have eye expectation, who have feeling of respect and honour him in reverence and awe. Isn't that lovely? When you honour him, he fulfills those things that you've longed for. And that means everyone qualifies. Can you say amen? Psalm 102, verse 13. I love this one. You will arise and have mercy on Zion. Get a hold of this. For the time to favour her. Yes, the time of favour has come. Now that word set time means an intensified time. And that verse really is talking to people who are believing God for something impossible. How many believe for God for something impossible? I think everyone should be. And it, and it says that there's a time when you've been believing me for something impossible. Believing for something impossible and, and you've not given up. You've, you've kept holding on to you. You're believing that God's going to do something impossible in your life and you've not given up. 
And God says, that person who's been holding on to to the impossible, who's been holding on to that dream that seems so impossible, who's been holding on to that promise that seemed in the natural could not happen, and you've held on to that, you've believed that, God said, there's going to come a time, and it's going to happen. I'm going to fulfill. I'm going to come at that moment of that intensified time, and you're going to experience my mercy, my goodwill, and my compassion. He says, amen. If you go to the first... The first verse of Psalm 102. I don't mean you've got this in your Bibles, but it's interesting. It says, how many of you got this? It says at the beginning of the prayer, a prayer of the afflicted. <laughs> how many can see that? It's a prayer for the afflicted. Look what he says in verse 1. He says, Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let me come to you. Don't hide your face from me in that day of trouble. Incline your ear to me in that day that I call. Answer me speedily. In other words, here's a guy who feels overwhelmed by the things of life. He's absolutely overwhelmed. Everything seems to be falling apart. All the circumstances, all the pressures are right there and he's overwhelmed. How many have ever felt overwhelmed? He's at wit's end. How many have ever lived at wit's end lane? How many have ever lived there? And he's in wit's end lane. Everything's overwhelming him. Everything's overcoming him. And he says, God, unless... You notice he says, Lord, that you would come speedily. Unless you do it now, it's all over. It's finished. And right in the midst, God says, there's a set time for favour. I'm going to come into the midst of your overwhelming circumstance. I'm going to come in the midst where everything seems to overwhelm you and overcome you. In other words, my favour is going to come. When you feel overwhelmed, then you are a candidate for favour. Isn't that awesome? When you feel overcome, you're a candidate for God to work. And he says, don't give up, because on the other side of that overwhelming situation is the favour and the mercy of God. The power of God is going to be manifested in an unprecedented way. But listen, in order for you to experience that, you've got to be convinced that he loves you. But tell you what's going to happen. That you'll fall apart in the challenge, in the overcome situation, you'll fall apart in it. David says, you know what? I'd have fainted if I didn't really believe I would see the goodness of God. I'd have given up years ago if I hadn't really believed at the end of it I would see the goodness of God. And this is what this psalm says. This is basically, I'd have been overwhelmed if I actually didn't believe there'll be a set time, a set moment when the favour and the goodness of God is going to come into that moment of time. And bring his answer and bring his supply. Can you say amen? amen? Now, let me take it one step further. I want to just talk about three simple things. Very simple. That's what I'm saying. Three simple things that Jesus does to show his love and his favor. Now, this is so simple, it's almost embarrassing. You know what? Sometimes things are so simple we miss it and we struggle with it. Now, listen to this. Look at Because there's three things that Jesus comes to you to this morning to say. Look at Mark 10. Here's the first one. Mark 10. Mark 10. Verse 46. Now they came to Jericho. As he went out to Jericho with his disciples and great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, by the road begging. When he heard that he was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, 
Son of David, have mercy on me. So David stood still and commanded him to be called. Then then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer, rise, he's calling you. Thrown aside his garment, he arose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered, and Jesus, so Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said, Rabbani, I want to receive my sight. Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. God is gracious, full of compassion. And really saying, God, would you show me that you love me? Would you show me that, would you just come to me? Would you remove my blindness? I believe with all my heart that Bartimaeus had heard what Jesus had done for others, the miracles that others had experienced. He says, Lord, what you did for others, would you do for me? God, would you do it for me? The miracles that you perform in other people's lives, would you do it for me? Lord, no one ever notices me. I'm an outcast. No one ever notices me. Lord, would you do it for me? I think a gratitude to have is when you receive the Gospels. If they received it, that means I can have it. Because God is no respecter of persons. Is that true? If I do what they do, then I should see and receive the same results they had. Because God loves me as God loves them. Look what he says in verse 50. He threw aside his garment. In those days they had a beggar's garment. That identified who they was. And he kind of threw it off. In other words, he had an expectation that when he came to Jesus, he would be healed. And there's a simplistic I want you to get a hold of. You know what Jesus says to him? And it's simple. What do you want me to do for you? That's what he said to him. He didn't go into a, a three-point sermon. He just simply said this. What do you want me to do for you? And actually, if you just sum up the ministry of Jesus, that's all he did. He went around saying, what can I do for you? And also, Acts 10, verse 38. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, and he went around healing all who were oppressed of the devil. He just went around saying, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? And he went around just saying that. Doesn't that happen to you? Someone comes to you and they're in a mess. Don't you just say, what can I do for you? Isn't that true? So if we say that on a human level, how much does Jesus say to us when we come to him and say, Lord, I'm in this mess. And Jesus says, what can I do for you? I can't find anywhere in this Bible where Jesus refused anybody who came to him. Isn't that true? He never said to someone, go away. Every single time he said those kind of words, what can I do for you? And this is what God says to you today. What do you want me to do? And often because of religious mindsets, we kind of we're embarrassed to that. We don't think we're worthy. How many realise the blood of Jesus makes you worthy? So you're in, in a position where you can say, Lord, I have this situation. You say, Lord, 
would you respond, would you work on my behalf just on the simple basis that you love me? What can I do for you? That's the first question the Lord asked you. What can I do for you? So it's good to have an answer. Isn't that right? And sometimes it's like, uh, mm. I think it's great to have something that in your heart you say, Lord, this is what I want you to do for me. And, and I tell you, no matter how, in fact, the bigger it is, the greater Jesus loves it. The greater the miracle, the greater it is. Wonderful, fantastic. You know, wow, I love, I love, I love you're asking me for something awesome, something big you want me to do. I specialize in the miracles. I specialize in the big requests. What do you want me to do for you? Here's the second question. Matthew 9, verse 27. He says, what do you want me to do for you? And there's the second thing he says to you. When Jesus departed from, from there, two blind men followed him, crying out, saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. And when you come into the house, the blind men came to him and said to him, Here's the question. Do you believe I'm able to do this? They said, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes and says, According to your faith, let it be to you. Isn't it interesting? Every time someone comes to Jesus, they say, Lord, have mercy. Isn't it interesting? You see, you only ask someone for something you know they have. See, if you need a thousand pounds, you're not going to go and ask someone for a thousand pounds that you know ain't got a penny. Is that true? <laughs> a bit of wisdom there. Here's the point. You only ask for someone that you know has got some. Got it. And so they knew that Jesus was full of mercy and compassion was the very fact they asked him for it. Is that true? And he said, Lord, this is what we want you to do. And as he says to them, do you believe I am able to do it? And that's the question the Lord asked you this morning. Lord, this is what I want you to, me to do. And the Lord says to you, do you believe I can do it? Do you believe it? Do you believe I can do it? If your answer is no, then maybe you need to spend more time with Jesus. If your answer is unsure, maybe you need to spend more time in his word. So you can say, Lord, I believe that you are able to do what you have said you are able to do. I just kind of sense this morning. As we say, Lord, I believe you can do it. I believe you can meet that need. I believe you have the ability to, to change that circumstance. I believe you have the power to reach that person. I believe you have the ability and the strength to, to turn that situation around. That's all the Lord says to you. Do you believe it? And the moment you say, yes, Lord, I believe it, then he's going to work and he's going to move. And so he simply says to you this morning, what do you want me to do for you? And then he says to you, do you believe I am 
I'm able to do it. That's a challenging question right there. Do you believe I'm able to do it? And there's the third and final question. Mark 1, verse 14. Because the Lord says, do you believe I can do it? What do you want me to do for you? And then he says this one final thing. you believe I'm able to do for you? Do you believe I can do for you? I heard an amazing... Can I show you this story? Just come to me now. And I thought this story was awesome. I love this story. Two missionaries were reaching a tribe that had never been reached. Okay? And when they come to the kind of just outline of the territory and they're with some other workers, and for some reason God told them they felt it right to take bananas to this tribe. That's what they felt. I don't know they, were to. They, get to this, they get to this tribe and suddenly they're greeted by all these, this, this tribe with spears. Very aggressive. And so they take this guy, they take this, they take this couple, they take these people to actually, they take them to the, to the tribal leader. They take him there. And then they, and they've got these spears up against their throat like this. And then the witch doctor suddenly appears and starts saying all this stuff against them, all this stuff starts coming against them. And this woman, the missionary before, says, God, what shall I do? Remember I said, Lord, what do you want me to do for you? And this says, God, what do we do? What, show me what to do. What do you want? And God says, what do you want me to do for you? And this is what God tells them to do. This is what he tells us to do. Now this seems crazy, okay? But this is what he told them. He says, get the banana and stick the banana in the witch do." The, the witch, the, what you call it, the witch doctor's mouth. Just stick it in the witch doctor's mouth. And she's thinking, that can't be God. Lord, what do you want me to do? Stick the, get the banana and stick it in his mouth as far as it will go. So that's what she does. She's, she says, God, this is crazy, but almost, what have I got to lose kind of thing. So she gets the banana, sticks it in the witch doctor's mouth. He falls to the floor and starts choking. Uh, he can hardly breathe. This, this banana stuck in his throat. And suddenly the tribal leader starts to laugh. He just begins to laugh. And he says, you are a great warrior. Because all my warriors are afraid of this witch doctor. But you are a great warrior. Tell us about your God. And they preach the gospel and the whole tribe is converted and saved. Isn't that awesome? That's what happened. You say, Lord, help. What do I do? And God will respond and he will show you. Can you say amen? And there's a fool. I like that story anyway. It did me good. I could just picture it in my head. Mark 1, verse 14. There's the final one. Now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing to be clean. In other words, he's saying, Lord, I know you're able. But here's the question. God, are you willing? You see, often nobody struggles with the fact God's able. If he's, if he, if he's not able, then he's not God. Is that true? So the issue is, it's not whether God is able. The real question is, is he willing? That's powerful truth. 
In other words, the will of God, the faith begins when the will of God is known. When you get hold of that. When I know his will, then I know he'll work in my life. Faith begins when the will of God is known. Let me ask you this question. What's the will of God? That's his will. Many years ago, during communist Russia, there were two ladies on the way to a secret underground meeting. And the secret police stopped them. And they said to them, where are you going? And they said, we are going to hear the reading of our will of our elder brother. And they got it. And really, that's what this Bible is. It's the will of God. So if I'm to know the will of God, I, know, I need to know the word of God. The more I know his word, the more I will know his will. I need to know what's in my covenant, what's in my will. And the more I know that, the more I will be able to say, Lord, I, know, I don't just know you're able, but I know you're willing as well. I think the cross also is the basis that reveals the will of God. And the cross is the basis that the God provides absolute total provision from all mankind and we appropriate the work and the benefits of the cross by faith. I think one of the only messages that release the power of God is the message and the power of the cross. And I think we lose sight of the power of God when we lose sight of the cross. Look at Galatians very quickly. Galatians 3 verse 1. Galatians 3, verse 1. Here's a a people that saw an amazing move of God. But here's the issue. They lost sight of the cross. And Paul reminds them how they've lost sight of the cross in Galatians 3, verse 1. He says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as what? Crucified. You've lost sight of the cross. And when you lose sight of the cross, you lose sight of the benefits and the power of God. Jesus was wounded so that we could be forgiven. Jesus carried our sicknesses and our sorrows so we could receive healing. He died in our place that we could share in his eternal life. He carried our curse so that we could be blessed. He took our rejection so we could be accepted. He suffered our shame so we could share in his glory. Amen. How awesome the cross is. The cross reveals to me the will of God for my life. I think one of the prayers... I kind of draw this to a close. But one of the prayers that we can often pray, which actually can actually, it actually can be a prayer of unbelief. You know, it can be, Lord, have your will. I remember everybody prayed that, yeah. But you know, that prayer is actually a prayer of consecration. It wasn't a prayer of faith. It was Jesus saying, Lord, if it be your will, then let me take this cup. And, so, and I think there's times to pray that. I only believe that. There's times to say, Lord, have your will. Have your way in my life. Have your will. That's a great prayer to pray. The prayer of consecration. But sometimes we need to, instead of praying for his will, we need to declare his will. 
We just say, Lord, we declare your will. We declare your word. This is your will. This is your word. And we declare it in the midst of contrary circumstances and situations. And I love this, and I close with this. That Jesus didn't give this guy a long sermon. Well, dear brother, let's do a five-hour sermon about my will. You know what he said to him? He says, yeah, that's cool. That's good. Yeah, yeah. That's what he says. He says, I'm willing. The mess, I love what the message says. He says, I want to do this. Jesus just said, yes, I'm willing. I will. This is my will. Yes, this is my will. And so Jesus says three questions today to us. What do you want me to do for you? Do you believe I am willing to do it? And the moment you can respond to that, I love what T.D. Jake says. Sometimes he kind of says this quite a lot. Get ready, get ready. Every room says that. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get, get ready. And I think that's cool to do. You know, that's what I'm saying. You can say yes to those things, then we can say get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Because something awesome and something amazing is going to break in your life. Lord, this is what I want you to do for me. I believe you can do it, and I believe you are willing. Why? Because I love you. It's all down to that one basic fact. A revelation that I am loved by God. And because I'm loved by God, I can ask him what I want him to do. I can believe he can do it. And I know that he is willing for him to do it. Let's all stand right now. Let's just come before him right now. Let's lift our hearts to him right now in his moments. Let's just believe this morning. God says to you that simple thing today. Three simple things. What do you want me to do for you? And secondly, do you believe I can do it? And then thirdly, I'm willing. I'm willing. I'm willing. Will you reach out to him today? Say, Lord, thank you today. And twist his arm. And we just simply say, Lord, you're willing. Maybe it's a physical need you have this morning. Just tell him what your physical need is right now. Tell him what that need is right now. Say, Lord, this is the need. This is what I want you to do. Just tell him what you want him to do in these moments. And then secondly... Say, Lord, today, I believe you can do it. Don't care how impossible it seems, I believe you can do it. Hallelujah. I believe you can do it. And thirdly, God, I thank you today that you're willing. You love me. And because you love me, that tells me your willingness. You're willing because you love me. Not because I've earned it, not because I've deserved it but simply because you love me and you're full of mercy and you're full of compassion and I cry to you I come to the God of mercy and compassion touch me move upon my life right now in Jesus name just reach out to him right now wherever the situation wherever the circumstance just reach out now in these moments
Come on, reach out to him now. Believe God to meet that need right now. Say, Lord, this is what I need you to do on my behalf. God, I reach out to you today. I believe you're able. And I believe you're willing. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus. Just come to Jesus. You're not coming to anything today. Just come to Jesus. Not a building, not a church, not a meeting. You're coming to Jesus. The Jesus who says to you, what do you want me to do to you for you? The Jesus who says to you, do you believe me? And the Jesus who says to you, right personally to you, as if you were the only person in this room, he personally says a personally to you and to your heart today, I am willing. I'm willing. I want to right now this morning, I just want to pray for people. Just feel tomorrow. I want to pray for people if you have headaches, real severe headaches. I just want to pray for you this morning. Because I believe Jesus is willing to heal you and make you whole. That's you this moment. I don't mean to just come just in these moments right now. If that's you, I just believe Jesus is willing and he's able and he can do it for you this morning. If you also have a any other need this morning physical need in your body particularly for headaches today because I just don't know why I just sense in my spirit today that's what the Lord wants to do but if you've got any other physical complaints come in faith believe that he's able and he's willing right now Lord I just pray right now Thank you for listening to this free download from Delancey Eden Church. For more downloads, information or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceelam.co.uk.